0: A couple things, I can hear myself too much, a couple things before I jump into my sermon. Next Sunday we will have a Gideon speaker that will be here to sh- uh, to uh, share for five, six minutes. That'll be next Sunday and you'll be given opportunity to uh, support their ministry. So... Um, The start of the sermon, we'll have a Gideon speaker. So, looking forward to that. Uh, The other thing before I start my sermon uh, this week, as a nation, we marked the 48th anniversary of uh, the Supreme Court decision of Roe v.ersus Wade. And um, if we talk about um, what is at the very forefront of a battle in our nation for world views then abortion is at the very front of that Uh, and so uh, you know obviously we can support our local pregnancy center and encourage you to do that this starting this Sunday and I think through February the baby Belusa Uh, but um, at the very heart of the Bible that we will talk about today is that it was God who created us, and it was God that gave life. And it's people that believe that, and in his word, uh, we, are to people, we are to be people who stand in every way for life. Amen. So I started a couple Sundays ago talking about a reason to believe. Uh, and I want to continue that, of course, today. Uh, one of the foremost uh, atheists, one of the most vocal of the last century, was a man who was a professor in England. And uh, his name was Sir Anthony Flew. He's now deceased. Ten uh, but Sir Anthony Flew, obviously, he's a he's a Brit, so he's been knighted by the Queen or something, you know, that makes him a Sir. Sir Anthony Flew. Uh, but he was one of the most vocal atheists of the last century, and he actually studied uh, at Oxford in the early '50s when C.S. Lewis would have been there, and C.S. Lewis would have. Been uh, already been a Christian and contending for the Christian faith. One of the, I've been reading a number of books, but one of the the books uh, that is C. S. Lewis's uh, philosophical defense for the supernatural is a book called Miracles. Woo! It's a it's a it's a deep read. Probably only I would say Shane Stover in this crowd's probably the only one who's up to even grasping the concepts in that. Um, Yeah, Um, but um, Sir Anthony Flew rocked the academic and scientific world in 2004 when he announced at a conference after all of these years defending atheism that he believed there was a God. And a couple years after that, he wrote a book. Entitled, There is a God. And the, uh, the, what term am I looking for? The subtitle says, How the World's Most Notorious Atheist Changed His Mind. Uh, You can Google some of his interviews after that. But here here was the gist of it. As the scientific world increased its understanding of life, Sir Anthony Flew could no longer contend that it all came about by chance. And actually, it was the discovery in his lifetime of DNA that was the tipping point for this, this great mind this professor in England, to say, hmm, there's no way. No way it happened by chance. There has to be a creator. And for full disclosure, if you watch the YouTube videos, Sir Anthony Flew, um, he kind of is sort of a deist that moves into a theist. And, and I'll be honest with you, I don't know that Sir Anthony Flew ever became a born-again Christian. Uh, 2010 he dies kind of the last videos I see he's still struggling with that is that supernatural being is that the God of the Bible Uh, in Psalm 19 verse 1 the psalmist says David says the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. I contend today in what I have to present in this next 30 minutes that the natural world has the fingerprints of a creator all over it. If we look with an objective even scientific perspective. it is rational, it is reasonable to conclude that it could not have happened by chance. but there must be an intelligent designer behind it all. We started this kind of philosophical journey um, last Sunday, In raising the question of the existence of God. uh, Melody, let me review some of that. Okay, just to to clarify. No, let me just touch on a few things. From the philosophical standpoint, it is reasonable to believe that there had to be a first cause of the world that we see. And that first cause had to be supernatural. It had to be outside of nature, even immaterial and timeless. From the area of ethics, it is reasonable, it is rational to say that the reason we have this deep sense of a moral code inside of us, a law inside of us, is that there must be something beyond us. There must be a law giver. It only is reasonable, it is only rational. Today, we we continue that in talking about the existence of God, but quite honestly, we get a little bit further down the road because I want to talk about science today and that it is reasonable, it is rational. There is evidence, as the psalmist said, that there must be an intelligent designer to the world that we live in. Now the objection that is raised by uh, the naturalistic, atheistic worldview is that it is only a religious myth that the world was created by God. It's only a religious myth that the world was created by God. I want to talk about two things today that give us evidence that there is an intelligent designer. Two words today first complexity in the natural world and secondly the fine tuning of our universe. Two words two ideas. Complexity of the natural world and secondly, the fine-tuning of our universe. Let's talk about complexity first. When we look at the complexity of our world, it points us to intelligence. It is, it's quite honestly irrational to think that the complexity that we see in our world could have come from something that was not Intelligent. Now, naturalism believes that the complexity in our world that we see, and it's evident to all of us, was created by the process of evolution. Evolution, of course, uh, was proposed by Charles Darwin, his 1859 book, The Origin of the Species. And it is, of course, this thought that all of us know, that it was by incremental adaptations from random mutations. Um, It was a process of incremental adaptations from random mutations that was driven by natural selection that gets us to the complexity of our world today. And and you you know this, that Charles Darwin would have uh, proposed that uh, life would have started in the simplest form and over the years it evolved incrementally, slowly, millions of years so that we now have human beings. We all, all know this and we've been exposed to that in all of our lifetimes. When you look at the natural world, the theory of evolution does not square with science. does not square with the science of physics. Um, And I'll just touch on these. I want to talk about chemistry here in just a minute for just a a few minutes. But in the different areas of science, Charles Darwin's theory uh, does not hold scientific water. Uh, In the area of physics, uh, the second law of thermodynamics, Is that all systems in the natural world are moving towards disorder. A simpler form. And I don't have time to talk about that today. Um, But all natural systems left to themselves move towards disorder to simpler forms. Um, Your garden, your flower garden in your backyard or front yard left to itself is not moving towards order it is moving towards disorder everything I just I've been heartbroken just recently that uh, the playscape that I built in my backyard five years ago for my little grandchildren is starting to be eaten by termites thinking I mean I've, I've spent all day Friday just trying to redeem the playscape that was built five years ago it was a testimony that when you leave something to itself in the natural systems it is moving towards disorder um, unless intelligence is injected into the process friday i injected some intelligence and some shovel and some new boards <laughs> into that playscape. Things left to themselves are moving to disorder. It is not rational to say you left the natural world to itself, and <gasps> millions of years later, here we are sitting in this sanctuary. Uh, geology, actually, Darwin theorized that when you dug deeper into the fossil record that it would show the transitional forms of evolution but actually that's not what geology is shown in the fossil record actually the fossil record does not show the transitional forms it shows the specific um, species that exist today that were buried in the dirt what you find in this fossil record is the species that once existed still exists today. If you talk about biology today and you look around, we do not observe any transitional species. There are no dog birds in our existence. We, we don't, and I say that sort of jokingly, no mankind has lived for thousands of years and there are no transitional species. That's just observable biology in our world. I want to talk about chemistry though just a little bit deeper. Um, If you talk about just the complexity of a single cell, in fact, um, biochemistry would say that the, the the basic building blocks of life are a single cell, which, which comes from, obviously, if you, you remember being in school or you're in school, obviously the, the physical world starts with atoms, and actually the, the complexity of just a single atom is, is mind-blowing. But the atoms combine into molecules. Uh, the molecules eventually become more sophisticated, and they create amino acids and eventually proteins which become, it's, it's like this um, a factory. And so those, those proteins become cells, which is, it's like a factory, like you were producing cars, and there's, there's things that come in, the raw material, if you were just had a, a car factory, there's raw materials that come into that factory, there are processes within the factory that create cars, and then when you come to the other side, uh, you produce cars, but it's a very intricate. And if the more scientists have st- to dug in, have dug into uh, the complexity of life, they see that a cell, actually, uh, the basic building block of life, is just incredibly complex. But here's the kicker, and this is where Sir Anthony Flew knew that there had to be a creator within every one of those cells is what scientists have discovered in all of our lifetimes DNA. It is the brains. Um, if, If we had a computer up here, you can have the actual material computer, but the DNA is the programming of that computer. And what Sir Anthony Flew could not get past is like, wait a second, the DNA is the information and in that cell in, in my body, uh, oh, what, I knew this number. There's like 40 trillion cells. I'll just consider myself average, okay, you know. I'm sorry. That was, there was a joke in there. It's not a good joke. Okay, let's just consider ourselves average. We have 40 trillion cells, In every one of those cells is my DNA that programs every aspect of my body to live and to grow. And Sir Anthony Flew, the question and, and the complexity of just the strand of DNA in my body is just mind blowing. And the question is who programmed the first living cell? And here it is you can have all of the atoms that combine into molecules that create more sophisticated uh, combinations of, of materials, and you can end up with a protein, that protein cell does not become a living cell unless it is infused with DNA. Every living thing is programmed with DNA. And you say, how? Who programmed it? Where did the information come from? Uh, and what what you, you understand is that um, every living organism is an integrated, irreducible system. It's all integrated. And it's all irreducible. You cannot take parts of it out. You cannot tweak the DNA of a dog and incrementally get it to a bird. Um, The car factory illustration. If the car factory, all the systems that are required for producing cars, breaks down at any point, it ceases to produce cars. The human body... You cannot start with a simple cell and incrementally get to the point of, of millions of years of evolution, of tweaking that DNA by mutations, which, quite honestly, mutations do not replicate themselves. Um, but anyhow, that's a whole other discussion. And get to the human body. I, I listed these, and these, aren't, these are Daryl Smith's descriptions I don't even, I'm speaking out of. Being a preacher, not a scientist. Uh, the human body systems. We have a respiratory system uh, that allows us to breathe. It circulates oxygen throughout our body. The circulatory system, which is our blood and heart and all of that. Digestive system, which we're hopefully going to get there in another 15 minutes or so, you know, how we eat and consume things. Lunch. Um, processed food for energy there's the sensory system which is uh, the five senses which would be sight and smell and taste, hearing touch I guess there's the ambulatory system which is how we move there's the neurological system from our brain here's the thing if any one of those systems is not functioning it is not a human living being No, it breaks down. That's why those that contend for intelligent design would would say that the systems of, of living organisms are not only integrated, but they are irreducible. You cannot take the respiratory system out of a human and go, oh, you have a human being. Well, you might, but it's dead. It's not a living human being. Everything has to be working. You can't incrementally get, you can't, oh, we're going to start with the respiratory system and then another hundred million years we're going to introduce the circulatory system and eventually we're going to come out with a human being. It is irrational. And so um, the complexity of life. Rationally points to the truth that it must have come from intelligence that programmed it all from the beginning. Second word is fine tuning. Um, the world that we exist in is perfectly prepared and calibrated for the existence of life. In fact, many scientists would say that all the conditions for life in our world are balanced on a razor's edge. The fine-tuning of the universe points not to the fact that it happened by chance, but that there was a designer created it like that Um, oh I wanted to recommend books along the way Uh, really probably one of the most recent books on I would say um, apologetics is Timothy Keller's book The Reason for God so I would probably say if there was one book hmm, okay you're going to order one off of Amazon what is it Preacher, what do you want? I'll go ahead and go get Keller's book, A Reason for God. Uh, belief in an age of skepticism. Um, but he, uh, he has a quote from Francis Collins. Um, and it says this. It says, when you look from the perspective of a scientist at the universe it looks as if it knew we were coming (laughs) there are 15 constants and I'll contend for even more here in just a minute the gravitational constant various constants about the strong and weak nuclear force within the atom etc that have precise values if any one of those constants was off by even one part in a million or in some cases by one part in a million million, the universe could not have actually come to the point where we see it. Matter would not have been able to coalesce. There would be no galaxies, galaxy, stars, planets, or people. And scientists have identified what are called universal constants, and I don't have time to trace it all out this morning, but just something you can probably grasp your mind around is gravity. If gravity was off just a little bit stronger or weaker, we would not exist. The universe would not exist. We could not exist on this earth. Uh, The rate of expansion of the universe that came from the Big Bang, if the universe was expanding at a greater rate or a lesser rate, it would have either blown out the windows or it would have the pull would have whoosh, pulled it back to that dot. I don't know if that's a scientific woof, but anyhow that was you got it. Now the, what they discovered is when the big bang occurred it happened at the very precise rate of expansion to exist as a universe as we now see it. Even, even the electromagnetic force within atoms uh, had to be so precise just for atoms uh, to exist as they do today. Uh, and Collins talks about 15. Uh, some of the more recent stuff I've seen, there's another one that contends for 19. And the picture they get is if you had this uh, panel of all these little knobs. Uh, and just say there were 19 of them, for the world to exist in its, in its immediate existence from the Big Bang, every one of those uh, physical constants, that dial had to be set exactly at one point for it all to work. If any one of the dials was off in the initial moment, the universe would not have existed as we see it today. And I love the quote that Colin says, it looks as if it knew we were coming. <laughs> um, another, another book that was written and I don't have it, you can YouTube the um, documentary and I did this week. It's called The Privileged Planet. And it's by a group of scientists. And think about that concept, The Privileged Planet. These scientists look and it's like, everything is exactly as it had to be for life to exist on earth. Hmm. Hmm. I wonder what conclusion we could draw from that. But, and they talk about in that documentary, or you, you can get the book, uh, of how uh, the universe, uh, that the earth sits at the perfect spot in the universe for scientific discovery. Uh, That our galaxy is perfectly positioned within that universe. That our sun within that galaxy is in the the perfect position. Uh, And then you get to these these ideas of the distance of the moon from the earth and the earth from the sun. If if it varied by just a little bit, the tilt of the earth, all of these things, the, the, the atmosphere around our earth, Um, made it possible but it's the margin for error are minuscule for the capability of life the amount of water on the earth the depth of our crust all of these things are beyond the 19 universal constants of physics like gravity and such and the odds are astronomical no, no no, it's not that. It is mathematically impossible. The numbers are so staggering that what the scientists say that are objective enough to look at the numbers to say, no, it's not that the odds are astronomical. No. It was mathematically impossible. Could not have happened unless there was a designer now the theory that scientists who have to cling to their concept of naturalism say well it's not just that we live in a universe but there are millions there's a there's a universe producing machine out there and there are millions of universes and we got lucky And all of those millions and billions, finally you get statistically to say, no, there had to be some place that was capable of sustaining life, that it just happened by chance, and we hit the lotto. You don't hear the preacher say that, Baptist preacher, much on Sunday mornings. Man, the odds were impossible, but we did it. Scientifically, though, there is no evidence of any other universe than our own. But it's the only theory they can come up with, that there must be millions and millions of universes just like ours, and we happen to be the one that was in the perfect spot. I want to read again as I come to a close this morning what Byron read. in Romans 1 I don't want to read all of it but uh, this is what Paul said Romans 1 18 to 22 for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness because what may be known of God is manifest in them for God has shown it to them for since the creation of the world his invisible attributes are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made even his eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God. Nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. the complexity of life and the fine tuning of our universe point us to an intelligent designer in fact this sunday i'm just saying hey you christians hold your horses we not even we're not even to the god who revealed himself in the scripture i'm just saying back it up all i am saying at this point is philosophically we have to say the evidence points clearly to an intelligent designer of our life and universe. But I would say to you that as we begin to go down that road in fact I I think as I watched those YouTube videos of Sir Anthony Flew it was what he was struggling with it starts us down a road that points us not only to an intelligent designer, but the evidence points, this is, this is the punchline this morning, the evidence points that our world was not only created for life, here it is, it appears, it was created for human. Life, which begins to take us down a road with the philosophical implications if it was not only that the intelligent designer created our world for life but for human life that God it seems rational, reasonable is a personal God not just a detached intelligent designer but the evidence begins to point us to a personal God get this who created the world to be discovered by us he gave us minds to discover the natural world. But what was the point that we would discover him and to have, apparently, it seems that the intelligent designer is a personal God who wants to have a relationship with us as human beings. I'm honest, I'll tell you. I don't want to destroy the end of the story. I think that's where we're heading. Yeah. I think maybe God loves us and created the world for us that we might know Him. And obviously that's the point. (laughs) We're going to get to And we're going to discover in his word Uh, and the sending of his son. And, oh, we've got our journey is going to take us on from here. Hey, just a couple things. Why don't you stand with me this morning uh, before I pray. Uh, Thank you for your patience again this Sunday. Uh, If you have decisions to make. I'm going to be at the front afterwards. You can always contact me during the week or this afternoon or whenever I'm available. My number is out there. Um, But if you have decisions to make, to trust Christ as your Lord and Savior, to follow Him in baptism, to join the church, then I'm going to be available at the front. I'm really available anytime, but I'll be here at the front after the service. Uh, Also, before I pray, uh, we're also about to begin work on committees for this year let me encourage you that if you have not filled out our volunteer survey you can go to our webpage and you can find it so that we know what you would be willing to to do and to serve and even the areas that Byron's talked about where we need teachers um, it, it's invaluable to us and I, I know I've said this for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and I say it again this week because we need you to fill out volunteer survey so that we know where you would be willing to serve and we believe we're maximized in our impact when the whole body is maximizing their service for God so y'all let me pray thank you father today we um, we thank you for being an amazing God (laughs) that that scientists can't even comprehend the created world that you made But, Father, also we come to the place today to acknowledge you as a personal God who loved us. And, Father, when we sinned and our hearts departed from you, you engineered a process where your son would come and die for us so that we could be made right with you. And so, Father, we pray that you would draw our hearts to yourself. And uh, we would know your son. And we would know the life that you've given us. And so, Father, we love you. Thank you for our time today. And we pray it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. amen, amen. I'm at the front if you'd like to visit with me.